center and coming in as Loup. Hulebeck centered it. It's a score! Matty McDonald. And over at that plane bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on there. And he's stopped by Markstrom from point blank range. You can't put it in the waste column. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, happy Friday, and let's get this hour underway. It is Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Friday, February 16th, and it is time for a jam-packed Eric Francis Hour. Brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive economic impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Back in Calgary after a very entertaining road trip, Eric Francis of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca joins us for the next hour here on Flames Talk. Jeez, Eric, I don't know if we have anything to talk about. We'll muddle our way through, but um, well, I don't know if there's much that we can uh, come up to talk about today. Hey, it's, it's a pretty quiet time around the Calgary Flames. It's a pretty rare time in the organization's history where they're basically front and center in the National Hockey League. Isn't it crazy? I, I really believe that's the case. And I can tell you from even talking to just my editor uh, in Toronto, I mean, they're like, they, we can't get enough Calgary Flames stuff. It's just going off the charts. Everybody's interested. And uh, on March 9th, they go back to being... Uh, <laughs> What are you saying? Well, their rightful place somewhere in the bottom half of uh, the important franchises in terms of uh, eyeballs. I'll, we'll just put it that way. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm. I'm curious if you um, have picked up on on the same thing that I have. Just like, so they go out and they lay an egg against San Jose in a big spot to kick off a homestand on Thursday night, and like on on the post game show Thursday. Nobody seemed to, like, usually you have a game like that. People are livid. People want to talk about benching him or firing him or trading him. Uh, Nobody really was interested in the result. Like, it was kind of like, yeah, we've been there, done that. What's happening with Markstrom? And, yeah, yeah, they always lose to bad teams. When is Hannafin getting traded? Like, it's hard to have conversations about the on-ice product right now without those things inevitably creeping in almost immediately are you are you pay, i know that you pay even less attention to social media comments than than i do and i'm i'm trying to follow your lead on that one but um do you get that sense too that we're talking about an on ice product that is is tough to focus on right now because of all the extraneous extracurricular stuff that's going on yeah yeah and i i think that most people understand that making the playoffs for this team is a is a is a long shot at best, and, and I think that hey, diehards are certainly hoping they'll still continue to stay in that race. I think everybody in this city wants them to remain relevant in terms of the race. It's just more exciting. It's a lot more fun, and 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 I think it would be playing with house money if they could get into the playoffs and and have a couple home dates. I mean, I think it'd be an absolute bonus right now. And but I think the most important thing is that the GM is not swayed by that. Uh, sure, he would love to make the playoffs, and I, I don't think there's anything he, that would make him happier um, at the end of this season than making the playoffs. But I, I think that every move that he's about to make is done with the long term in mind. Now, you know, I had a good long chat with him the other day. I guess we'll get into that a little later about 
how he's going to go about his business. He still wants to keep one foot in this race as much as possible. And the return on any potential trades very likely will include serviceable NHLers who can get them from now till the end of the year. But the reality is everybody in the organization, except for the coach and the players, I guess they're thinking now and next game is the most important game, but everybody else is is looking long-term and that's the right way to look at it. Like, I'm with you. I, I got in the car after the game and I always have the, the call in show on as I'm driving my driving home and, uh, and, and the hue and cry that I was expecting, uh, wasn't there. Uh, you know, people just sort of want to, this, the, the trade world is just so fascinating. And the fact that their team is in the middle of it is really kind of exciting for a lot of people. So I'm getting emails from pals, calls from pals. Right? Hey, are they, you know, are, are they trading Markstrom? What's the latest? What, what, what do you think they're going to do with this guy? Like, I'm like, wow, everybody is all over it, and it, you know, it's cool. I, I've, you know, I've always said this. I've never been a fan of the trade deadline. I'm the only guy alive that do, that doesn't get a kick out of all these rumors and all this BS, as as Nazem Kadri put it. <laughs> uh, but you know, because it is 90% that, right? And uh, I don't engage in it. I don't care about it. I'll report on it when it happens or when I have something tangible. Otherwise, I let everybody else run around with their heads cut off trying to figure it all out. It's, uh, But I get that everybody loves that doing that. I don't, but they do, so good on them. Okay, so knowing that, what have your observations been of the last... It's been six days now since uh, Elliot Friedman came out with that report on Saturday headlines when it was after the, the Islanders win that day. And on Saturday headlines, Elliot comes out with the report that New Jersey and Calgary had serious conversations about a Jacob Markstrom trade. And it's kind of taken on uh, a mind of its own since then in the days, in the days that have followed to the point that, you know, Everybody had their eye on warm-up yesterday with, with Jacob Markstrom backing up. People were losing their minds when Markstrom wasn't on the ice for morning skate on Friday and it was Wolf and Vladar <laughs> out there. Like, it, it, it has turned into the biggest story surrounding the Calgary Flames right now. And, and I'm not, that's no, no shade at Elliot Friedman when I, when I say that because we, we know that Elliot is not just making things up when he, when he puts that out there. But since that's been out there, that's been all anybody wants to talk about when it comes to the Calgary Flames. It's it's so true. You know, I, I you know, he had called me on last Saturday and Elliot's just such a professional and he's absolutely the best in the business, no question about it. And uh, you know, he called and just said, Hey, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm about to go on Saturday headlines and just I'm gonna mention that Jersey and the Flames had a conversation about Markstrom. I don't know how in depth it was, and you saw his reporting. Elliot's very careful, right? Other guys are a little more. Uh, some guys are a little more reckless. Uh, Elliot is always very careful, and he just he didn't make it sound like it was that big a deal, right? If you remember, he kind of downplayed. He says, "I don't know how far it went. I yeah. don't know. I don't know who else was involved. I don't know if it ever got to the goalie." Uh, blah blah blah. Well, uh, since then, you know, lots of people have, have taken that ball and run with it, and, and and made it a lot bigger than that. And you know, who knows where the truth really lies? But it was what I thought was a very innocuous report. But you know, that's the power of Elliot Friedman, man. Put it on Hockey Night in Canada and see where it goes. And and hey, I'm not saying there aren't there wasn't smoke there. Um, I've delved into it, and for sure, 
Of course, those conversations were had. I had said it that day during the broadcast that we were just in New Jersey. And if you think that the general managers didn't have a chat while we were there, then you're crazy. But when I say it, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> when Elliot says it, and he had it much more concrete. I was just saying in sweeping generalities. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a a huge story. It's been an interesting story. Um, you got you know these are the times when you know the Flames have closed ranks on those guys, and that that's fine. You know they don't want them exposed to the media because it doesn't really serve them to fuel the fire with any misstep misstep they may say publicly or. You know, they're just kind of weathering the storm now from now until the 8th. You know, Hannafin, Tanev, Marks, or my doubt any of them will be available to the media anytime soon. And and that's – but I, but wouldn't we all love to hear from, uh, in particular, Markstrom, hey, did it ever get to you? Yeah. Did they ask you if you wanted to go to New Jersey? Because let's be honest, when Markstrom did that interview with me a week and a half ago and I asked him about – about the situation he's he basically reading between the lines you and i both agreed that he had said you know what i'm open if they want to talk to me then let's have a conversation as opposed to just shutting it down and saying i've got a no move clause don't bother me with this crap um he was open to it that's that's how you and i both interpreted his interview with me and listen if someone came you know if, if i was in markstrom's shoes and someone came to me and said you have a chance to go to new jersey that's a pretty damn good team. That's a goaltender away from being a really, really good team. Now it may be too late for them to make the playoffs this year. I don't know. I haven't looked at the standings over the last couple of days, but you know, I think we all see they're trending in the right direction. That would be a very, very palatable situation. Uh, you're living near Manhattan uh, and the organization's in a good way. And as opposed to here where you see and hear that several key pieces are on their way out. So I have no doubt that Markstrom would be in favor of this move if it got to him. If it didn't get done, it's because the package that Jersey offered wasn't good enough or what wasn't yeah. quite what the Flames were looking for. So that's the way I interpret everything. That's from the conversations I've had with people. That's probably the way it played out. And uh, <laughs> we'll just wait and see for the next report from Elliot tomorrow night. <laughs> that's right. Tomorrow Saturday. Um, the the whole the whole Markstrom discourse, Eric is. Just fascinating to me because I, I'm I'm quite confident in in my belief that I don't think that Jacob is super keen on with two years left on his contract being a part of um, a big time pivot if he has the choice. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's a pro, right? Like he's obviously he's a pro. He's not going to be a bad team. That's not that's not how he's wired, but. If given the choice to, as much as everybody says they want him, got to have him here to mentor Dustin Wolf. Like, what a perfect. Do you, do, do we, have we observed how Jacob goes about his business? The guy is dialed on winning. I remember he gets named a Vesna Trophy finalist. You ask him about it in the middle of the playoffs, he just answers with two words or whatever, however many words it would be. Would he say, yeah, I'm thinking about tomorrow's game. They're like th- this guy, this guy is. Since Mika Kiprasov, I can't remember a Flames goaltender that was so steely focused on one thing and cared about one thing, and that is wins and wins only. It's one of the that competitive nature in Jacob is one of the things that I have appreciated most about him since before he was a Flame. It's why I, I was such a huge advocate of them going and chasing him leading up to October of 2021, and eventually they signed him to that deal. So 
if he's got the choice of being on a team that can compete now closer than the Flames are to competing now, of course he's going to be. It's nothing against Calgary, but this guy wants to win. He's 34 years old. He's got two years left on his contract. He knows that the window is closing on his career and, and the opportunities for him to play in a West or Eastern Conference final or play for a Stanley Cup, you know, th- those opportunities are dwindling as time goes along. So that's that's the pushback I've continued to have on anybody who said, well, no, 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 they've got to keep Jacob Markstrom. Well, what if Jacob's beliefs don't necessarily align with where the Flames are going right now? And that that's one of those things that I think needs to be taken into account with, with him, with Tanev, even with Hannafin, as we move through a lot of these conversations. I also think it's it's gotten, it's to the point where it's personal. And I don't mean between, you know, he's not mad at, at Craig Conroy or the organization, but just think about the bodies that, are about to be moved out, and the body that was just moved out. Elias Lindholm was one of his best friends his whole life. Yep. He's gone. We all knew that was coming, but but he's gone. So the reality's sunk in now. He's about to lose the one of the best defensive pairings in the National Hockey League. A guy who he felt so strongly about that he depicted his, uh, his <laughs> dental work on his mask. <laughs> you know, this is a guy who will block a shot with his face to save his buddy Markstrom. So... I can see why the desire to stay here under these circumstances lessens every day. And and I think he was quite content to spend the next two years here and finish his contract out um, until, you know, all this talk that it's going to be time for a significant retool and you're in a situation where you, it's now about to hit home in a big, big way. Moving forward without those two guys, those two warriors in front of you, uh, that's that really lessens the appeal. And I also think that what's happened over the last three, four days, this tempest in a teapot that known as the Calgary Flames, all these rumors surrounding Jacob, I don't think he's enjoying this as much either. I wouldn't be surprised if over the last several days he looked at his wife and said, like, this is, let's get out of here. This is not, this is taking a real turn. I don't want this. I want something else. Let's go. And so, you know, I am of the belief too that it's, you know, Jacob's agent is now kind of helping that, trying to help that situation along too. Yep. Uh, By the way, I, his his agent is Pat Morris. I, I I threw that out there earlier this week too. Like Pat Morris, he's very very good at getting things done, forcing teams' hands from afar. Maybe the best ever in the NHL as an agent to yeah. get that done. Like he, he's an expert. So it's why it's why he's the gold standard, one of the gold standards for player representation, right? Yeah, and and you know, I think once this ball started rolling, and they probably had a conversation like, "What do you want?" I think that now it's, you know, I, I think the analogy that you used earlier that you got from Kerr, you know, you can't put the toothpaste the, the toothpaste yeah. back in the tube. I think now that this is out there, I think everybody, I think everybody just wants this to happen. Like, uh, if you asked me a week and a half ago, do I think Jacob Markstrom is going to get traded? I would say, well, I think the chances are remote because I really only think there are two or three teams that would even consider trying to move the sort of athlete, uh, assets and mountains that it will take to make this deal happen. And Jersey was at the top of everybody's list. And uh, and then now that this report's come out, I would say to you, I would be. Very, very surprised if this deal isn't done by March 8th. As a matter of fact, I think it'd be done within the week. But 
I've said all along, you and I have had this discussion. I, I still think this is what's best for the Calgary Flames, I think, is that this deal gets ha- this happens in the summer when I think you can deal with so many other teams, teams that lost in the first and second round and figured out, geez, we were a stud goalie away from really doing some damage. Mm-hmm. Let's finally address the situation. Um, you know, it's so much easier to make a trade. You have so many more options in the summer. Uh, but there's also des- the desperation factor right now. And somebody will lose a goalie between now and March 8th. Some big shot goalie could get injured and that could even uh, heighten the, you know, the sweeten the pot for the Calgary Flames. So now that they've started down this road, I think they, I, I'd be surprised at this point, they don't finish it before March 8th. But that wasn't the way I felt two or three weeks ago. Well, and it, is that partially because this story has taken on the life of an, of, of its own that it has? Like that, that, to me, is another really interesting part of this, and I you almost feel you almost feel bad for Craig Conroy. I know for a fact that Craig Conroy is not leaking this stuff. They're trying their very best to keep this stuff under wraps. You know how hard it is to get a return text from anybody with the Flames right now. We've both we've both talked about that, right? Like they are in lockdown mode. They're trying to for for good reason. It does them no good to be leaking and to have stuff being thrown around from their end right now. So for Craig Conroy, he's doing his best to keep this stuff under wraps, and, and they're not leaking this stuff out there. And yet this Jacob Markstrom story takes on a life of its own. And and if you're Craig, it's kind of like, is it even possible to dial this thing back, to reel it back in? It feels like that's a, a difficult thing to do now. Yeah, especially if he's already gone to Jacob. If, you know, I'm assuming he has. I, I, don't, I don't know where that's at. But with all this noise... It would be incumbent on you, upon you as a GM, to address this with the player and say, "Hey, listen, here's exactly where we're at. Where are you at?" Yeah, right. They have to have had that conversation. There's no question they have. And so, again, once you've broached that and it's out there, then I then I think it changes the way it goes. And listen, I don't know if you subscribe to the theory or if even anybody cares to suggest that all this noise led to that. You know, maybe the the worst performance of the year by the team last night. Mm-hmm. Like I, I haven't really heard anybody link the two, and I don't know if that's even fair. The team just didn't show up. I think they thought it was going to be an easy win, which is always a mistake in the National Hockey League, especially when you're the Flames. Um, the compete level of this team is rarely in question, and that that is one thing I will stand by. Like they didn't show up last night, they didn't compete, but that's a one off to me. That that only happens. Well, how many times they play Chicago and San Jose every year? That's how many times it seems <laughs> to happen every year to the Calgary Flames. So, again, I don't think it has to do with all this, but I do think it's a very interesting coincidence that the only reason we're having this conversation about Markstrom is because they have their goalie of the future in the organization and they want to make room for him at some point really, really soon. So... They give the ball to Dustin Wolf last night, and I'm not blaming it on him, but it, that wasn't the performance he would have liked. Mm-hmm. And he wore that heavily after the game. Yeah, Boy, yeah. He's an intense guy, and his lip was quivering as he was talking to us. Like I'm not suggesting he was getting emotional, but I think it was an emotional night given he was playing his childhood team. He thought this was going to be a dreamlike scenario, and it was an absolute nightmare for him. And that's pretty rare territory for him to be lit up. But there he was, and he's won one out of his five starts this year with the Calgary Flames. His good. I am not suggesting for one half second that you know this guy can't make that final step into the NHL that a lot of people said he could never make. 
I think everybody in the hockey world believes that he probably, you know, given a full year, I think people do believe he can make that step. Uh, his size is still an issue, but either way, isn't it interesting that he was lit up last night as the team is about to trade away their their star goalie, which would open the door for a lot more nights like last night for Calgary Flames fans. You know, all those people who are clamoring for a complete teardown mm-hmm. or at least a, a retool, whatever the case may be, remember you said that because there are going to be a lot more nights like last night that Flames fans are going to be looking at for the next two or three years if that's the direction they go. Now, they're not going tank mode. Uh, but even a retooling mode, there are still going to be a lot of nights like last night. And and Dustin Wolf will be on the wrong end of several of them um, as he gets more and more acclimated to the league. You know, it, eventually he's going to find his way. I do believe that. But boy, there are going to be growing pains. It's all it's all part of the process. Yeah, no question about it. Um, it's the Eric Francis Hour. Steinberg, Eric Francis, uh, Eric joining us every Friday on Flames Talk and uh, always, always so much to talk about on uh, one of our best hours every single week. And Okay, so the Markstrom stuff has kind of overshadowed everything else. And then there's still Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev who are still like the fact that all of this is hanging over the team. It does feel like we're in purgatory at this point. I don't think anybody has any misconceptions anymore about what's going to happen with Tanev and Hannafin. I think we all have a pretty good idea where this thing is headed. So it's just this purgatory until one of those shoes drops. I can't, I can't remember feeling quite like this covering the team. Now you, you've got some years on me. You've, uh, you've got a couple decades in terms of covering this team. That's not to age you, but just you know, you've you've been you're you're the you're the established vet on the beat at this point. And um, you know, I, I've been doing this for about fifteen years, and the only thing I can remember that comes close to this was the 48-game season as it was clear they were no good and we knew Jerome's time was probably coming to an end and then Jay Bomeister's time and eventually Mika Kiprasov's future was going to be figured out. That's the last time I can remember anything quite or feeling anything quite like this with so much hanging over the group right now. Yeah, I that was that would have been the comparison I would have made when you're just sitting there waiting for it to happen. You don't know where they're going. Uh, exactly when, but you know they're going, and and so it's a it's a similar feeling for sure. I, I mean, I think people could feel a whole lot better about this trade deadline than that one. That one didn't <laughs> do very well for the no, organization. Unfortunately, did not kind of set them back. Um, but but different scenario. I mean, you know, they're not going to let that sort of thing happen again. Uh, I mean, Conroy watched that whole thing. He had a front row seat. He saw how that was mishandled and you know, in the Jerome situation and, and all that. But so they're, they're getting out ahead of that. That's, that's part of that. Now, how much ahead of that do you want to get? Like, you know, I know that probably the number two talking point in the city right now, beside Markstrom is should they, or shouldn't they be sitting Chris Tanev before he takes a puck to the face again? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I know that that's the, that's the kind of purgatory they're in right now. They know they can get a second-round pick from probably a dozen teams in the league for Chris Tanev. It's what else can they get for him that they keep wondering about. And I think they're waiting for that first-rounder to come around. And as soon as somebody offers up a first-rounder, man, he'd be scratched for the very next practice and game right away. Yep. And everybody can breathe a sigh of relief and find out with you know clarity what his future is. So, And it, on the Hannafin front, you know, 
No news is bad news. I guess if you're yeah. somebody who was hoping he was going to sign here, uh, listen, you know, there's been no official confirmation, uh, nor do I think it would serve the purpose of anybody in the organization to kind of leak that we out. We know that, what's yeah, going on at this yeah, point. Yeah, we know what's going on. So he's on the move. Of the three, though, it's amazing to me that, you know, there's the one who we've heard the least of in terms of teams interested. And maybe it's just because it's only been however many of days since the league, the team got finality on it and is now starting to move on it and, and shop him around. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they've been listening to offers for him for the last couple months or at least having conversations about the possibility of what that might look like. So, yeah, these are, uh, you know, if you love rumors, yeah, like Nazem Kadri does, uh, buckle up because <laughs> uh, the next several weeks are going to be all full of them. And, and I bet you, if you're a Flames fan, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think most people just want all of this to end tomorrow, right? Like, isn't isn't that the best for the you know for for the fans? I guess to get some finality on this. Yeah. Or do you think everybody loves this savagery and all these rumors for the next three weeks? I mean, I think you probably do, but I think if you're a tried and true, like if you're just straight up, especially for just the diehard Calgary Flames fan who wants what is best for the team. Yeah, I think you're like, okay, let's just get it's it's clearly it's it's clearly a distraction as as well as the flames have handled it as a distraction. It still has to be a distraction in some form or another. You don't want to risk the injury. Knock on wood to your point. Um, I, I think, yeah, there's there's probably a lot of just tried and true flames fans who want their team to do well see the writing on the wall, and so just want some clarity in terms of the way this is going. You know, some people some people love the the speculation and some people love the chaos and all the power to you if you do because you're living in it right now. But I, I think there's a lot of that right now. And then I think, I think honestly, guarantee you, the vast majority or the entirety of that locker room is so sick of it. I, I would have dreaded returning home if I were the flames. Cause they had such a, you, you were there so you can speak to this more credibly than I can, but they had such a good vibe. It felt like on that trip, they were playing loose. They were playing well. There's so fewer distractions period. When you're a Canadian team on the road, when you don't have a lot of interest to in the Northeast United States and then you come home, the distractions kick up regardless. But when you're the Calgary Flames, what did you say at the very beginning of the hour? They are front and center in the NHL. So now a Canadian team returns home where they are the biggest team everybody's talking about in the NHL right now. That can't be good for, for a team's mental state at all. So I, the, I think the people that want this thing over more than anybody else, everybody inside that room right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, you remind me of what a stark difference it is in that dressing room from that road trip when I spoke last Friday. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was trying to use, trying to just paint a picture for just how loose and fun and excited players are, how optimistic they are, how upbeat they are, how carefree they are. And and maybe that had more to do with the fact that they all just got back from Cabo. <laughs> Could help. You know, they, they'd all had a week off to really just regenerate. Uh, but... And they were winning. I mean, the, the combination was pretty deadly. And then you come back here, you lose a tough one at Madison Square, then you come back here, and last night's just an absolute nightmare. And you're embarrassed in front of your home fans. I couldn't believe the fans didn't boo them at the end of the night. I, I could not believe that, actually. Um, but again, I, maybe it just speaks. Somebody said, well, they're not booing because they're all gone. 
<laughs> it felt like that, didn't it? Right. So maybe, um, but it also speaks to maybe, like you said, people aren't really worried about, you know, the results anymore. They just want all they care about are these trades and 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 the the shaping of the of the future. So, uh, the mood is decidedly different in the room. It's tense. You know, when I saw Rasmus Anderson, when I walked in the locker room, he was already doing his interview two days ago, and. Um, he had his back up against the wall. Like it almost felt like he was being pilloried, you know, by the, <laughs> by the media and every quit. Like he literally had his back up against the, the whiteboard there. And it, it looked like a very defensive position. Like, uh, just stop with the, all the questions. And Nazem's a whole lot more com- comfortable with that scenario. He's been through much bigger media maelstroms, maelstroms over the years. But I don't know. At the end of the day, um, this will all even out, but it might take three weeks for it to do it. Like, yeah. uh, I'm going to be interested in monitoring that room for the next, next, uh, well, three weeks, I guess. Okay. Last question before we, uh, reset. I, I just, you, you got me thinking on Tanev again, because you brought up, cause yeah, that's the, it's it, the, 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 the market is there and teams would trade a second round pick. Multiple teams would right now for Chris Tanev. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. I still, I am still looking at Brad Tree living in Toronto. I, I still wonder if that's the play because they don't have their second round pick. I, if I'm Craig Conroy, can I wait out Brad Tree living just a little bit longer and say you need this guy? I know you don't want to give up that first round pick, but do you want to give up that first round pick? Like here's Chris, he he wants to go there. Like he's a Toronto guy. I just I wonder if that's still not the play if you're Craig Conroy just to wait out and that maybe by doing that you get a better offer elsewhere which of course you take but I just the stocking horse for me especially with Tanev because we know how interested the Maple Leafs were when the the Flames traded Zadorov they tried to get Zadorov and Tanev reportedly from from Frege again they tried to get those two in a in a deal didn't go through in November so now you're like can you wait out tree and get him to pony up that first round pick for Chris Tanev? I still wonder if that's not the play here. If you really like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if tree living is losing sleep every night, trying to figure out how he could get any number of the three guys into his room. Yeah. Right. Like they all address the biggest issue that the Toronto Maple Leafs have had for, for well over a decade, no goaltending, no defense. Yeah. And you've got some of the, you know, the sexiest options at the deadline that we've seen in a lot of years sitting right here in his old backyard and his old chum Connie's <laughs> holding on to all of them. You know, he's, he knows his number. He didn't have to look it up. He could speed dial old Connie anytime and see what, what might be cooking. But I know that I don't want to, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but I can tell you that even even Tree Living knows that the chances of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Flames making a deal are extremely remote. Yeah. I know that we can connect all the dots, but when you connect the dots, you also remember that the owner of the Calgary Flames was the one that that Tree Living left at the altar. Yep. You know when his contract was up, and I'm not saying there's bad blood there. I'm just saying. You know, the other thing is, I, I, if I'm a GM, I generally am avoiding trying to make a trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs ever. A, because Tree Living's a, a pirate. He wins a lot of his trades. <laughs> but, but, but B, 
do you really want to help out the team that gets the most media coverage in the world? <laughs> and if indeed you get fleeced, you're going to be reminded of it for the rest of your career. And, and maybe you even help the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, win a round, which doesn't happen very often. Like then you're, then, then you've turned true living into a saint. So I, I don't, I just, it would be so hard. Now I did hear a very interesting conversation to Sam Cosentino was on with, um, uh, born, uh, yeah, Kipper and born. Yeah. Kipper and born today. And he was just breaking down the draft and I, I'm not a draft expert. We leave that to Vixie and, and Piker and these guys, but I, you know, apparently, you know, up until about 20 or 21 first 20 or 21 picks, there's a big drop off after that in terms of tiers. You often hear these experts talk about that. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that most experts kind of look somewhere between 20 and 22 or 23. Then there's quite a drop off from like a real great player to, you know, a real second or third tier first rounder. And the Leafs are going to be right in and around there. So when the Leafs are looking at, you know, the one first rounder they've got left for next year, you know, they're going to be in that spot where they may be in that drop-off zone or they may still get a quality guy. Like, I think that's important information for, for every team and every fan to know, you know, if the Leafs, if they don't feel like they're going to get that quality top-tier guy, then they may be a little freer with that pick. So anyway, we're getting into the weeds on that. But I, yes, Toronto will forever be connecting dots with Calgary for no other reason on top of all the ones I just gave you, the fact that the Toronto media are going to continue to pump it up yep. like crazy. Yep. So, so be prepared to hear more and more of that. I do think uh, you are bang on when you suggest that it might be a little harder for a, it might, there might need to be a little bit more of a premium paid for the flames to consummate a deal with the, uh, with the Maple Leafs. I think I, I'm in full agreement with you on that one. Um, <laughs> He is uh, Eric Francis. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. The Eric Francis Hour is underway. And, uh, hey, Francis did some work on the road uh, last week, and we got to dive into some of that work as we continue along. The Eric Francis Hour brought to you by our great friends at Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, Eric. It's the Francis Hour on Flamestock every Friday. My friend, uh, you did some work on the road. That uh, road trip, it's funny. You and I, I, I think we talked about this on the air, and if we didn't, we definitely did off the air. You and I talked about, man, this, this road trip presents such a great opportunity for you to go out and, and really mine some gold. And boy, did you do just that? You know, we talked last week about the Markstrom conversation that you had and the Hannafin conversation that you had. Nobody else talked to those guys. You did. But the Conroy conversation that you had with him and the article that went up, I think it went up on Monday of this week. I don't know. Or maybe, no, it went up Wednesday. Wednesday. Days blend together. Thank you. Yep. It went up earlier this week uh, at sportsnet.ca. That, that conversation, I think, is really important because, boy, did it confirm what you and I have been talking about on this hour for weeks, months. You know, all that talk about. Well, they got to they got to tank. They got to tear it down and tank. They got to get in the lottery. Can they get a second overall pick? Can they get a first overall pick? 
Craig confirmed it with you. That's, that's not what they're doing. This is not, this is not a team that is going to purposely lose. This is not a team that is going to completely rip it apart and, and start anew. This is something that they're going to do on the fly, and they've got the opportunity to do that. I would maybe disagree with that more, with that MO or that path. I disagree with that more if they didn't have the players they have to use as trade chips right now. Like that's the the opportunity that is staring them at the face in the face right now gives them the chance to be able to successfully do that. Trading Hannafin, trading Tanev, maybe Markstrom. They've already done so with Toffoli and Lindholm and Zadorov. Like the opportunity that exists here is one that might allow them to do it on the fly a little bit better than other teams have tried to do. you got to execute it still, but I just thought it was interesting. I, if you haven't checked it out, still at sportsnet.ca, uh, Craig Conroy's conversation with Eric Francis, just confirming not every little detail, but the big picture in terms of the way the Flames are going to handle this whole thing. Yeah, it, you know, well, and I appreciate the kind words, but yeah, it's just talking to... Conroy, he's been very reluctant to go on the record with his plan, and 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 I understand what he's saying. Like you don't, you don't basically show your blueprint to everybody else. I mean that doesn't make any sense. But I did say, listen, you know, we've had so many conversations about the fact that you don't believe in an environment where it's okay to lose, um, and and you know he he he's just he said you know I can talk about that for sure. Like you know he he's gobsmacked by anyone who would suggest that an NHL player would be okay with losing. And, you know, remember he is a former player, so he, he would know what it would be like to try and to be in an organization where somehow there was this air that it was okay to lose for a little while. And then when management almost like decrees, okay, now it's time to turn it back on again, boys, and start really trying your best. Then, then they're supposed to do that. Like that just, he, he's stunned by that sort of suggestion that that's even a possibility. And I know the organization in general is just the, the, for every time someone will say, yeah, but look at all the teams that won the cup six years after they tore it right down to the studs. There are people in this organization that will also see, yeah, but look at all the teams who tore it down to the studs and are still down to the studs six years later and 12 years later, they look at the Buffaloes, they look at the Oilers and, and the Oilers might seem like a bad example right now but for how long have they been trying to right. get back up from the bottom the ottawas the ottawas you know we could go around the league and just say well that worked that didn't that worked they're on their third try to try and tear it down and that's not working so you know it's not going to be a team that's going to tank now again he didn't like he doesn't really want to talk too much about it because things can change and i don't think he wants you know him to go on the record and say we're definitely not doing this and then circumstances may dictate that maybe you do have to take it down to the studs. Who knows? Next this summer, Nazem Kadri says, "Look, I don't like what I saw over the last couple months of the season. I want out." And then you trade Kadri, and then you got to trade. You know, maybe Weger comes. I'm, I'm just making all this up, but I'm just saying you never know what's ahead, so you can't right. say definitively what your plan is going to be. But I did say to him, "Listen, I there are going to be people who say that you." suggesting that you could still try to remain competitive or somewhat competitive while also retooling and rebuilding for the future with all these draft picks and prospects and 
he, he there are going to be people who are going to say, well, that that's exactly what the Flames have done for 30 years, and and that we're just going to be stuck in purgatory where we get a terrible draft pick every year and we miss the playoffs. And he said he vehemently disagreed with the people who suggest that. He said, like, we have left room for younger players. We said we were going to do that, and look what we've found. Connor Zary, Martin Pospisil, um, Matt Coronado to a lesser degree. You know, they've seen Solovyov. They've seen Kuznetsov. We're going to see more. And he says, like, the reason why a Connor Zary and a Pospisil are thriving and, and really doing, you know, shocking people is because they're in a very positive competitive environment if this was if they were here like coronado was at the beginning of the year when the team was on that six game losing skid and, and it looked like the sky was falling they got coronado out of there because they didn't want him to be part of that sort of right doomsday scenario so it's not easy to stay competitive while also retooling for sure but that's the way this organization thinks that they can go and wants to go and so for every trade you're going to see for the next little while don't be surprised if you see a guy come back who's a serviceable NHL player for the next year or two. Look at Kuzmenko and look at Sharon Govich. They're, they're two of the most exciting players in the organization. They're on your quote-unquote top line, and they're both UFAs at the end of next year and probably not here. Potentially, they'll be here. If they thrive, then maybe they want to stay. But my point is they are going to get them from A to B probably, and that's what you're going to see a little bit more of. So retooling on the flies the way it's going to be and uh and they think that's best for the competitive nature for the youngsters who are who they're fostering the other thing that i really believe eric is that i i think that there is also a a time um or or, or a target date for this to all be figured out I, I really do think that the 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 new building is a legitimate thing that they should and are yeah. looking at as as a target to to really feel like this is when they're coming out of it so that's three and a half years from now that's that's september october 2027 is when we're targeting right so that gives you a, a little bit of a blueprint with a finite time frame as to when you want to get there that makes it a little bit easier if you're trying to plan for something to say okay we want to be here for the 27 28 season so how do we get there that's also something that I think needs to be in, in this conversation too, is that yes, it's a retool on the fly. It's also a retool on the fly with, I think a pretty tangible end date that they're looking at too. Yeah. And and, and I agree with that hundred percent. It it won't be a coincidence or it's not a coincidence that that the building is the new and, and fans have really caught on to that. They've always wanted that to be the case. I think even those fans who are just want a straight up tank job moving forward, they all say that with the new building in mind. And so I think everyone agrees that, that that should be the target for when you know you really want to start making sure this team is going to start making hay again. A um, couple of other things wanted to touch on quickly with you before we uh, wrap up our time together. Uh, that piece with uh, Conroy and Eric is up at sportsnet.ca, as is your chat with Oliver Shillington, who is getting just more and more comfortable talking about how things went for him over the last year and a half, hey? Yeah, and, you know, I, I just want to preface it by saying I went to Oliver and just sat down one-on-one -on -one with him, and I just wanted to ask, are you, well, how are you doing? You know, I wanted to get caught up with him and everything, but I said, are you ever going to, tell your story and i ask you this oliver not trying to pry 
This is your own personal journey, man. With mental health, you don't need to share this with anybody in the public. But I, I ask you this, I'm curious, but also I, t I tell you this because I want you to know that if you want to tell your story, like I'd be thrilled to tell your story for with you. Uh, the media in, in Calgary, I do think, would do a good job with it. Like, you know, I just want them to feel comfortable. And anyway, yeah. I said, yeah, I'm absolutely going to tell my story. I've been thinking a lot about it. I think it'll be good for me. I think it'll be good for other people. It can help other people through similar, similar things that I've gone through. And his is a story of, of, of betrayal and trauma. Um, there are kind of, it's kind of a two pronged thing and you know, I'm not going to get into the story. Um, yeah, that's his story to tell, but you know, he did allude to the fact there was a big betrayal and, and he felt lost. He said he didn't trust anybody in the world. And of course we, we know he went on record when he first came back saying there was a time he didn't think he'd ever get back to the NHL. Yep. But the thing is, he said with the thing with trauma, is you can't hide behind it. And I'm actually looking at the quotes right now. He says, you can't take a pill for it. You can't just think it'll disappear. You have to accept what's happened and understand that you have to live with the rest of your life and that's okay. And that's kind of what he's been dealing with the most uh, over the last year and a half. And I, I applaud him. I will support him every, any way I can. Uh, man, I, I'm surprised that he thinks it'll be best for him to tell the story. I think that's great. Um, and, and, and what a story it's going to be when, you know, when or if we do hear it, because uh, it obviously was a significant, you know, uh, a significant setback. All the things he dealt with over the last year and a half, he missed a year and a half of his career. Mm -hmm. um, the last thing I'll say about Oliver is, you know, I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent this year, but you don't see him lumped into the same conversations no. that we're having about guys who are out the door. Listen, this organization stuck with him. Uh, through the whole thing, and they were incredible. Uh, I know dating back to Brad Treliving, the yep. way they handled him has just been magnificent. And this organization deserves a ton of kudos for the way they handled the, the mental health side of this thing. And and this is, uh, you know, this is a guy who I think will never forget that. Yep. And let's just say that I don't think it'll be surprising if you hear about him signing a new deal uh, to stay with the Calgary Flames. Um, I don't. I'm not sure when that news or that they'll they'll consummate it but uh i don't think anybody needs to worry about losing yep. an asset like oliver shillington on the open market uh, at the end of the year I, i'm pretty sure they're going to bridge that gap no i yeah I, i've heard for quite some time that there's just a significant amount of gratitude from the yeah. shillington side in terms of how this was all handled the entire way through and i'm i i, I hear the exact same things you do that yeah, you know, it's just the gratitude that that went a long way. This isn't a guy who's then going to go and try to nickel and dime them in in unrestricted free agency. I'm with you 100 percent there. Um, yeah. Would you have uh, to wrap up our time together? Would you have claimed Matthew Phillips on waivers? He was claimed by the Pittsburgh Penguins, who who moved into a tie with the Calgary Flames after they made the claim. Yep, and. I'm fascinated to find out someday I'm going to find out whether the Flames put in a claim for him or not. That is a fascinating debate. Uh, would I have done it? Yeah. Yeah. If I were the Calgary Flames, I would have put in a claim. You love this player. You tried to sign him last summer. You didn't get that chance. Um, you have him on a, on a platter here for just the end of the year. And at the very, very least, you play him here in the NHL till the rest of the year. You really get that sample size you wanted last year when the coach wouldn't play him. And then if it, if it doesn't work out, you he spends the the spring helping the AHL team through the playoffs. 
And I just think that the, I, 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 I don't want to say it's a no brainer, but I, I, man, was I fascinated to see if, or who would claim them or if the flames would be in there. And I, we don't know if they did put in a bid, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins were just a rung ahead of them on the standings. Yep. So we may never find out, but man, I'm going to dig hard <laughs> and find that one out. Right. Would you have done it? Would you have signed them? Yeah, I would have, I, I would, I would have claimed them. Um, I get, even just from an American league standpoint, if you yeah. could have snuck them through waivers, um, I probably would have seen if I could give that a try and uh, or keep them on the NHL roster, give them some playing time, and see if you can't, I don't want to say right the wrong, but maybe rectify how you didn't love the way it ended. I, I would have finished too. the journey. Finish, finish the, journey. the journey. That's a perfect yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. Our yeah. journey is done on this Friday. <laughs> I'm sad now. Me too. Uh, <laughs> see you on Saturday. Good stuff, pal, as always. I love our chats, man. We'll see you at the rink tomorrow. He's Eric Francis. My name is Pat Steinberg. That wraps us up on the Eric Francis Hour. Brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive economic impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com. 18 plus. Please play responsibly.